Welcome to Indie Reads Aloud, a storytelling podcast with your host, Diana Catherine Plopa. Come gather round, grab a snack, and listen to a story. Each week, we'll feature a new indie author with a story to tell. There are no long-winded interviews, no sales pitches, just stories. Most of the stories we'll tell will be family-friendly, but if they're not, you'll get fair warning before the reading begins. If you want to hear more, investigate the story notes for links to the author and where to buy their books. You can find us at dkpwriter.com. And now, sit back, relax, and listen to a story. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Indie Reads Aloud. Um, I, I want to let you all in on a little secret. This is episode two of a four-episode series because with J.M. Sandlin, we are going through his series one right after the other. So we're trying something new, seeing what's uh, if it works for you guys. Let me know in the comments on the show page. Um, if you'd like to hear more series, one right after the other, little snippets like this, let me know, and we'll do more of it. So, Jamie, welcome back, and you're my guinea pig, so congratulations. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I, I really enjoyed the reading from book one, and I'm looking forward to seeing a little snippet of a prequel, what's to come next in the story. I love this idea of listening to books in segments so that there's a little bit of anticipation about putting the puzzle pieces together. Exactly. What led up to this point and what will happen after? Well, and listening to the first piece and then listening to the second piece, Mm -hmm. when I go to read both books, will the pieces align the way I expect them to? Uh, Yes, yes, yes. So that's kind of a fun game I like to play. (laughs) So welcome back. For those of you who missed episode one, go back and check it out. This one is Trials of Thraktar, which I'm I'm not kidding you guys. I had to repeat it like six times to get it right. (laughs) Um, Jamie Samlin is a fantasy author based in Canton, Michigan. He is passionate about creating vivid worlds and compelling characters that transport readers to new realms of imagination. Drawing on experience his, from his love of storytelling, Jamie spends his free time playing board games, role-playing with friends, and indulging in other hobbies like martial arts and home repair, because you never know when you're going to run into a really nasty brick wall. <laughs> just just punch right through it. You're just, you're, I'm sorry, but I can't let that go. It's just a thing. (laughs) (laughs) When he's not writing, Jamie is often found lost in thought, dreaming up new and exciting stories to share with readers alongside his husband and their two cats. Two cats? Four cats. Four cats. Yeah, four cats. One for for each book. That's right. And then, (laughs) and then a bunch more. And then, well, I guess they get a couple. I got uh, 10, I don't know how many books I got now. Well, so you need more cats. I need more cats. Yeah, I guess that, <laughs> I like that. I will use that. That's so. So anybody with a cat sanctuary, contact Jamie at his website, 
You'll find his website in the show notes. Contact Jamie. He's looking for another cat because he's got more oh, books. A bunch more cats. <laughs> a <litter> of cats. <laughs> so we were talking off air a little bit about the challenge of writing a series mm-hmm. and the time it takes in between books. So yeah. give us an idea. How long did it take you to write book one? And then how much time did it take to write book two? So I, I kind of joke that book one took me 20 years to write, uh, but there was a lot of downtime in there. But uh, so I wrote all of Realms of Tercewood and then I gave it to a developmental editor and she basically told me rip out the back 40%. And so I learned a lot in that process. Um, and before I was even kind of done editing Realms of Tercewood, I was starting drafting for Trials of Throctar. So the first book took me 20 years. Trials of Throctar, even though it's um, 20%, more work count um, took me about five months to start wow. to finish on. Yep. Okay, and so, I, so I, what was the stumbling block the first time out? Was it just because it was a new project or your first time at authoring? What it was, what was know, it that kind of took so long to get through? I think it was the first book. I had a lot of things that I, I just wanted to do. It was a lot of self-indulgence in it. Um, things that didn't really end up helping the storytelling process. So I was able to cut out a lot of that. And so when I came to the second book, I said, this is a story that I need to tell. So I told it rather than going off on all these tangents of things that I would like to say that I didn't necessarily need, need to. Rabbit so, holes of creativity. Um, that's what we call them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So there, there was... If I took all of this stuff, the, the problem is that every time I would write a scene and then end up not being able to use it, it still exists in my brain. So I had a hard time towards the end of writing the trilogy of remembering what was actually canon in a book versus a scene that I wrote and ended up throwing out. So, yeah, yeah, I could see how that yeah. might be a challenge. Oh, yeah. So that, your brain's that, got continuity, but the same continuity is different on the page. There's a yeah, different exactly. chronology on the page than that lives in your imagination. Precisely. Yep. Yeah. And whatever wow. lives in my brain doesn't help a reader because it's they can't look at my brain. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it's always fun to remind authors that just because they created it doesn't mean it necessarily made it on the page. So you got to exactly. kind of temper that a little bit. <laughs> exactly. So tell us about Trials of Thructar. What? Where are we in this series? I know it's book two. So what's what's the big inciting incident in this book that we're going to hear about? So at the very beginning of the book, um, Alicia, so the first book we see a lot about Lone. Um, and this book has splits the narrative between Lone and his half-sister, Alicia. Uh, so at the beginning of the book, Alicia is kidnapped and taken significantly into the past. Like, um, I think it was uh, 18,000 years into the past. That is um, quite significant. Yes, she's kidnapped by her great-grandfather, who is, uh, from his perspective, is 750 years into her past. And then they go 18,000 years back. So um, there's, there's, there's time travel involved. Yeah. So the book, we have two timelines in the book. We see Lone is trying to um, accept the mantle of, of uh, leadership of the Nation of Archmages. Meanwhile, Alicia is trying to track down and stop their great-grandfather from from just wreaking havoc in this new world that he kidnapped her to. Okay. Fantastic. 
Yeah. When you are ready, Jamie, please right. take the microphone and read aloud. Oh. I'm excited okay. to hear part two. Part two. So, Trials of Throctar. So, to set the scene here, uh, Alicia, along with Aiden and Ethan, are traveling by foot to the human camp. Aiden and Ethan are the only two humans in this world of Bronin. They're essentially like orcs. So, to suddenly hear that there are more humans is of great interest to them. This this scene is Alicia's first encounter with the Gronin, letting her get a close feel for the people she would later have to save from her great-grandfather. Alicia had no means of estimating time with the odd cycle of suns and shortened days in Throctar, as they continued north in silence on the trail for what felt like hours. They took a few breaks to rest, eat more puce fruit from Ethan's bag, and deal with the necessities of nature, while Aiden jogged to the Bachiker to top up their water skins. Alicia normally would have found the silence deafening. Still, she barely even noticed the trees as they passed um, They passed as she replayed everything in her, over in her mind, looking for some exploitable flaw in her great-grandsire. The man had plenty of glaring character defects, but she struggled to see how to turn those against him. As they rose from a break, Alicia heard the, a merry jingling of bells and singing over the heavy, stomping footfalls of some hulking beast she caught glimpses through the trees of a massive four-legged creature with a back at least seven feet from the ground. The boys did not slow, the, slow their pace, but adjusted their walking order to both march in front of her. Alicia gasped when they rounded a corner and saw the beast in full view. Powerful, sharp horns thrust from the side of a head covered in shaggy black hair that narrowed into a beak. Its skin mixed dull gray scales and dark leather. Its muscled legs ended in cloven hooves wide enough to stop a man's chest flat. A wide, wooden platform balanced on the back, beast's back from straps along its side and under its belly. The platform held piles of rolled-up cloth, burlap bags of goods, and bushels of unknown fruits. The corners of the railings each had a string of bells. They rang in tune with the singing voice atop the monster. The singing stopped. Hold up there, Sump, said a voice as a groan and poked his head over the edge of the platform. The beast slowed to stand in place as a long blue tongue lolled from the corner of the, its mouth, and the man's face split with a toothy, toothy grin around his jutting tusks. Oh, lucky day, the captain's hauser! He tossed a rope ladder over the edge of the platform and swung himself to the ground. Alicia thought of the people, the people of Eplier dressed in flamboyant clothes, but this groanin looked like he intended to wear every color and pattern simultaneously. His layered robes showcased every sort of fabric he had above him on the beast. Alicia saw, saw many Gronin days ago as her sight swept over the realm, but seeing one up close proved a different experience. The merchant's long-tipped ears, much like her own, poked from a flowing mane of black hair peppered with white. Short white tusks jutted upward from a mouth that looked to be a perpetual smile. His yellow eyes glittered with mystery and a palpable palpable, palpable <laughs> desire to please his customers. Schroger? Aiden said, sounding unsure of the name. Schroger, the traveling broker at your service. The merchant tapped a thumb and first two fingers of both hands together as he squatted at his knees in some sign of greeting. The boys each pounded a fist to their chest in response. Is this young lady, a young lady you are escorting? He asked while craning his neck to see between the captains. Ethan pivoted to allow Alicia an unobstructed view. Troker, may I introduce the Lady Alicia of Poas, a land far from our home shores. The princess took the hems of her dirty and frayed dress in a curtsy. Troker and Sump, Ethan gestured to the beast, happily panting in the road, are well known across the emperor, empire, 
bringing rare wares to the farthest corners of our land. Shoker repeated his greeting to Alicia. What a pleasure it is, Lady Alicia. In my all my travels, I have never seen a woman as petite as yourself. What a del- delicate gem you are. You are so pleasing to my old eyes. I hope that you are the first of many from your lands. You must allow me to rummage my goods for something worthy of your beauty. Aiden leaned close to Alicia. <laughs> he means he wants to sell you something. She frowned. I don't have any money. It is fine. Ethan smiled at her and looked back at the vendor, who already returned to the ladder. Troker, what news of the road ahead? Ooh, mystery and danger! Troker exclaimed with his eyes wide and arm eyes and arms wide. I have just come from Bragvert. They say a hunting party went missing weeks ago. They've sent for help from the Ebon Blockade. Are you who they've sent to investigate? He quickly climbed atop some and tossed through his goods in search of something for Alicia. No, Ethan called up at the merchant. We are in the area for a different matter, but we'll see to this if time allows. Have you uh, have you seen any others like us? Captains of the army? Schroker said, round the rustling and crashing of his search. Uh, no, humans. Uh, I mean, pale skins. You two are the only of your kind, Schroker said, sounded excited. Unique in the eyes of the divine gig groups. I'd remember if I saw more like you. Mm. If they're sending to the oven, if they're sending to the oven blockade, we need to hurry, Aiden said quietly. I know, Ethan replied and dug for his bag. He turned to shout up at Schroker. How about a dozen puce fruits, two dozen jerky, a half flask of berry jam, and do you have any fresh bread? If I don't have it, you don't need it, Stroker said. Quite quickly gathered up the order in a sack and descended some. A gift for the fine lady, your wrist, please, he said as he approached Alicia. She looked hesitantly at Ethan, who nodded. Stroker wrapped her slender wrist in a string of wooden beads. Each comes from a different sort of tree native to Thorktar. Now, when you return to your faraway home, you'll take ours with you. He smiled wide with eyes that looked ready to shed tears. How much, Stroker? Aiden asked from beside her. The merchant looked genuinely offended. How can you, how can one put a price on our home? While Ethan negotiated the cost and Stroker debated local supply and demand, Alicia inspected the bracelet. The wood grains and colors of the 20 beads varied from almost pure white to black with grays and greens and oranges in between. A little skeptical voice in the back of her mind wondered how many were painted or if they were all genuine, not that it mattered. Even if they all marked the same sort of wood, they still represented a tree far from her home world. Is that old hunting lodge still up ahead? Ethan asked from the business concluded. Cam dominance? Yes, Schroeper replied with a nod. We rode by it a while ago. It's a ramshackle eyesore, but no one's going out of their way to tear it down. Ethan looked up at the sky, but little of it could be seen through the canopy overhead. Could we make it there by dusk? Sure, sure, if you hurry, Schroeper said. Then looked surprised. Oh, but you can't mean to stay there. Stay the night there. The Fae have nearly retaken the land. He shook his head and waved at the captains with a chuckle. Ah, look who I'm talking to. The Fae are no dangers to the likes of you. Ah, We should be on our way then, Aiden said. We should. It was nice to see you, Shroker. Ethan nodded at the merchant, then to the beast. Sump. The vendor gasped with eyes wide. Oh, hold just a moment. He scrambled up his rope ladder and quickly clattered through his goods. He reappeared at the edge and tossed down a small twine-wrapped parcel that Aiden caught. For the lady, a gift from Sump. With a spoken command, the an, oh, with a spoken command, the immense beast lumbered forward. Alicia waved to the merchant atop his platform as the pair trundled away. Aiden tore the string from the woven package. It contained a small set of clothes. 
a pair of loose woven pants, and a matching shirt. Aiden pulled a small scrap of parchment from the clothes with a blob of ink on it. <laughs> Some's card, he laughed. He laughed. Stroker came to our village a couple times when we were young. He'd give out gifts like this with a card saying they were presents from generous something. He handed the card to Alicia while holding the clothes out at arm's length. He turned to hold the shirt up to the princess. I think these will fit you pretty well, Alicia. How thoughtful of some. Alicia smiled and looked down at the smear of ink in her hand. Though it held no letters or words, she felt a clear understanding. For the pretty one that smells better than the others. Clearly the work of an expressed mind. Alicia folded the note and handed it back to, me, to Aiden. You probably do not want to change out here, Ethan said, while the brothers still, while his brother still sized the clothing against Alicia. Let us get to the lodge and set up for the night. We still have a ways to the human camp. And the adventure begins. <laughs> holy oh, that's holy. fun to do voices. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> it's fun to listen to them. That's one of the reasons I like it when authors read to me mm -hmm. their own work because you hear it in your head differently than somebody else who's reading it for you. Absolutely. And then we as readers get a little bit of that caricature if you read for us. So now when Absolutely. I go to read this book, I'll already have an idea of what they sound like. Exactly. And um, on that thought, uh, like I was just listening to the audiobook for my newest novel, For Great Mistakes. And at the end of the book, the, the narrator read the, the afterword chapter, but it's first person written about me. And I, I told her, this is kind of awkward to be listening to something that is about me. Like I said this about myself, but it's not my words. So I actually recorded that and sent it to her. So now I'm on an audiobook That's reading fantastic. the last little bit about myself. <laughs> But I certainly understand that awkwardness. That That's a yeah. weird thing. Yeah. Yeah. You're not saying um, it. You're saying it great, but not how I would. <laughs> so now this is book two. Mm -hmm. What is the thing that surprised you most as you finished writing this part of the tale? I think it was how quickly it just sort of spilled out of me. Um, there were parts of the first book that I felt like it was kind of having to draw it out. Um, and this book just sort of like bleh, onto the page. Um, <laughs> it, how, how quickly I was able to write it. How, uh, now, so the, the brothers in here, Aiden and Ethan are actually, uh, characters that my husband and I played in Dungeons and Dragons. So I played Aiden, who was a forge cleric, and he played Ethan, who was a, a wild shaped druid. Um, so I was able to pull their personalities from that um so that's that was fun that was that was wonderful um and so just being so able did to you write, feel like the story led you because you already had some understanding of those characters oh absolutely like um aiden really took over he's just he's a goofus and just a lot of fun constantly poking at his brother and um he, he really dragged the story forward and i was just trying to play catch up a lot of the time that's super fun. I, I love it when creativity leads us that way. I, mm -hmm. I think that's that's a real adventure for us as writers. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing this. I can't wait for episode three. This is going to be so great. Well, thank you so um, much. Thank you. I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and doing this wacky new a, a, a experiment with us. Uh, I'm mm -hmm. very excited and um, I hope everybody enjoys it as much as I'm enjoying it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. We'll see you on the next one. All right.
Thank you for listening to Indie Reads Aloud Radio. We hope you'll join us again next week for another story. If you are an indie author and you'd like to share your story with us, visit our website at dkpwriter.com to sign up and read aloud.